Welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. It's Monty's Podcast. And now, here's your host, Monty Coleman. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. He's the worst person on earth. So glad you could join me. Let's start things off today with an email I got from Rockcast listener Ed Whelan. And Ed had a question that kind of surprised me, but I'll read it anyway, because Ed said, Hey, Monty, how's it going? Wow. (laughs) Well, thanks for asking, Ed. You know, for some reason, I get this question a lot, and the answer is, uh, I'm doing pretty good. As I've told you on the last couple of episodes, I'm living in Colorado now, and I am loving it. My girlfriend Alex and I will drive to some mountains or lakes, and we'll walk around or take hikes, and it's just absolutely beautiful here. And I've kind of just gotten a new lease on life, and I'm appreciating stuff like nature now. And I've never been a nature guy. But one day I mentioned to Alex that I've never been to uh, Mount Rushmore, and she said, well, it's only like five hours away, let's go. And so we just jumped in the car and drove there, and the drive up through there is just awesome. And we finally got there and saw the giant heads, and it uh, it was pretty cool. I thought you'd be able to get a little closer than we did. I mean, uh, they're way up there, but it was still really cool to see them in person. And at a time when all these assholes are trying to tear down historical monuments, it was really cool just to see them and go, yeah, I'm uh, proud to live here in America. What what are you, right-wing kook? We've also been to a couple of Colorado Rockies games. We're both baseball fans, and uh, I love the stadium. It's downtown Denver, and it kind of looks like an old ballpark with all the brick and steel. And it's outside, and you can see the mountains off in the distance. And I also like the team colors. They're purple and black, and if you've ever seen one of my paintings, you know I like purple and black. And I've already got a favorite Rockies player. It's Charlie Blackman. And if you don't know a lot about baseball, well, let me tell you about Charlie. He's a really good hitter, he's got long hair, and he's got a big massive beard. He kind of looks like Ben Huggins if Ben Huggins were about 30 years younger. I don't like the sound of that. Now, if you don't know who Ben Huggins is, well, maybe I can explain that later. But for now, my point is, is that I really like Colorado. In fact, it's so good, I almost don't have anything to complain about. But, of course, I can always find something. Here we go. So as you all know, marijuana is legal in Colorado. And I don't smoke pot myself. I never have. But I remember back in the 70s when I'd go to concerts, uh, people would be smoking it and I'd smell it. And I thought, you know, it really smells pretty good. Right. But over the years, I don't know what happened, but these days it just smells like skunk. And the smell just about makes me nauseous. And we live in a really nice apartment, but the neighbors down below us must smoke that stuff every single night. And it just comes up through the vents into my bathroom. 
And anymore, I don't really care what anybody does in the privacy of their own home. But when I go in the bathroom to brush my teeth, I don't want to feel like I just got sprayed in the face by a skunk. <laughs> but I guess you got to take the good with the bad. Like I said, we've got a really nice apartment and Alex was kind enough to let me live here. And she even gave me one of the rooms to use as a studio. And so I have no complaints about her whatsoever. She's the sweetest person I've ever known. And best of all, she's not a cat person, so I don't have to worry about that. Thank God. However, uh, she does have two dogs. One of them is big enough to be a horse. And she's a really cool dog, but uh, I've literally had thoughts of buying a saddle so I could get on her and ride her to get the mail every day. I love this idea. The other one is one of those Jack Russell Terriers. And he's a sweet little thing, but uh, he's not so much a dog as he is an alarm clock. He's got this thing about him where he will shake his whole body and his ears and tail will flap around. And he does this constantly all through the day and it sounds like a helicopter is taking off. But for some reason, he always has to do it at about 5.30 in the morning. Ah! But overall, things are really good. I'm in a good relationship now. And the other day, I heard from Timothy Otto Hill on Facebook. And he said that he's happy that I found somebody new. And then it made him think of this Honeymoon Suite song. I'm sure you'll probably remember this. It's called New Girl Now. I've liked Honeymoon Suite for a long time, and they've been around for a long time. And yes, I love that song. Ah! When I got divorced about a year ago, I thought my life had ended. But looking back on it now, that was just a fresh new start. 
I don't think we realize sometimes how bad things are until we get away from it. And now that I've had time to reflect, I can see that my life had become very dark. But these days I feel loved and appreciated, and sometimes just seeing a smile is all I need to make me happy. Cause I can see clearly now. Yeah, well, anyway. Alright, I got a message the other day from Matt in KC. And I gotta say, there's not a lot of things I miss about Kansas City other than the Chiefs, Royals, and a few friends. And Matt is definitely one of them. Him and his wife Mary are extremely cool people, and I miss hanging out with them. But we still keep in touch, and Matt asked me the other day if I had seen the Anthrax documentary on YouTube. And at the time, no I hadn't, but I went and checked it out, and man is it good. It takes you through the history of Anthrax starting at the very beginning, and it's all broken up into episodes that are about 10 to 15 minutes long. And I've made it through about 9 or 10 so far, and they're up to the part where uh, they're making the album Among the Living. And that's particularly interesting to me because that was kind of the time and the album that was my introduction to Anthrax. It was the mid-80s and I was just starting to get into Metallica and a lot of other thrash metal. And I don't even remember how I got it, but I somehow came up with a cassette of Among the Living. And I was just blown away, not just because it was heavy, but because the songs were just so melodic and catchy at the same time. And I was in this cheesy Christian pop band at the time. And while we were on tour, I'd be in the back of the van listening to Anthrax under headphones. And I remember telling the other guys in the band, uh, you gotta hear this. And one night after sound check, there was no one in the building yet. And so I gave that cassette to the sound man and I said, play Indians. And he cranked it nice and loud over the PA system and it rocked.
That was pretty much the song that did it for me. I became a huge Anthrax and Thrash fan after that. And I eventually started writing songs that were definitely influenced by that stuff. The thing with Anthrax, though, is that uh, I didn't just like their music. I also thought they were really cool. They looked like they were having fun, and they just uh, seemed like they weren't trying to be big rock stars. They were just uh, who they were. They didn't come off all evil like Slayer. And they wrote songs about moshing and comic books, and uh, they just didn't uh, seem as scary, and I kind of liked that. Well, a few years later, uh, my own band, Galactic Cowboys, gets signed, and we go over to England to play one show and open for uh, King's X. But we got there a day early, and uh, King's X had a road manager that uh, knew the guys in Iron Maiden. And he said, do you want to go out tonight and see Iron Maiden? Uh, Anthrax is opening. And I was like, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. And so we go, it was in London at Wembley Arena. And it was amazing. And I was watching Iron Maiden for the first time and I thought they were just great. But before they were through, uh, the tour manager says, hey, let's go backstage. So we go backstage and there sits the guys in Anthrax. And I was all nervous and didn't know what to say, but uh, Charlie, the drummer, was sitting at the end of the table. And he was like, uh, yeah, I hear you guys are really cool. Uh, you got a tape I can hear? And I was like, yeah, sure, we'll get you one. And that kind of broke the ice, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden he goes, hey, uh, you guys want to walk around? And once again, I'm like, sure. And the next thing I know, I'm walking around Piccadilly Circus with Charlie and Frankie from Anthrax, and we're eating donuts. Weird, but true. And it was like I was in some kind of dream world or something. I'm like, this cannot be happening, but it is. And they were just super nice guys. Well, flash forward a few years, and we were now on Metal Blade, and we just put out Machine Fish. And I get a call from Brian Slagle, and we're talking about touring. And he says, uh, well, uh, do you have anybody in mind that you'd like to tour with? Well, when we'd been on Geffen, I had the same thing happen. Our manager had said, uh, hey, who do you guys want to tour with? And I just kind of went, uh, Dream Theater? And he goes and gives Dream Theater a call, and it ends up happening. And so I just thought I'd try it again. And I thought for a minute, and I said, uh, well, what's Anthrax doing? And Brian goes, well, I know those guys, and they're over in Europe right now. Uh, let me give them a call. And literally about one or two days later, Brian calls me back and says, okay, you're going to Europe. You're leaving in two days, and the first show is in Sweden. And sure enough, we go hop on a plane, we land in Sweden, and the next night we are opening for Anthrax. And once again, they're just the coolest guys. After the show, they go, hey, we're going to go watch the Super Bowl. And so we walked to this bar with them, and uh, we're hanging out, and the game didn't come on till 2 a.m. in the morning. But I'll never forget it. It was the Cowboys and the Steelers, and I'm sitting there watching it on a big screen in a bar in Sweden with Anthrax. And once again, I'm like, can this be happening? But it was, and uh, for about the next six weeks, I was hanging out with Anthrax every day. And we did the whole tour with them, and I watched every show, and they were amazing. And I gotta say, total professionals, too. Uh, you think of them like uh, maybe they're crazy uh, party guys, but no. They just stuck to business, and every night they'd go out and just play flawlessly. 
And a day before the tour ended, uh, Frankie comes up to me and he says, Hey, tomorrow night, the last show, do you want to come on stage and play a song with us? He said, I'll hand you my bass, I'll play guitar, it'll be uh, an encore kind of thing. And, uh, you know, would you like to do that? And I said, of course. And so I learned the song. I don't even remember what it was. But I went on stage and I played a song with Anthrax. And I get through the song and I walk off stage and I'm just like, did that just happen? And I just had to shake my head because I had gone from being a fan to uh, actually playing a song with them. And it's one of the most unbelievable things that ever happened to me in my entire life. This is a figment of your imagination. Now, other memorable moments from that tour, well, uh, there was the day we played in Prague. We somehow met these two beautiful girls who uh, lived there and didn't speak that much English, but they did manage to ask us if we'd like a tour of the city. And so we took them up on that and they showed us around. And then uh, that night we're like, hey, would you like to go to the show? We said, you can come early and we'll give you backstage passes. And so they show up and we're all hanging out in the dressing room and we were waiting to go on and the guys in Anthrax were in the dressing room right next to ours. And there's actually just one door that separated the two dressing rooms. And we're just sitting there talking to these two nice young ladies. When all of a sudden, John Bush, the singer for Anthrax, just comes busting in the room. And the funny thing is that John was completely stark naked. And he was totally unaware that there were any females up there at all. He just thought he was playing a gag on us. And when he saw who was in there, his eyes bugged out, he spun around and shot back into his dressing room. However, it was not before we all saw John's bush. Yeah. We all had a huge laugh out of that, and John never did come back into our dressing room. Even though I think that was the only time we ever had females in our dressing room. What a surprise. Another thing that sticks out in my mind about that tour is just about every night when we were doing sound check or waiting to do sound check, Charlie would be sitting around with an acoustic guitar playing songs. And I was really surprised how good he was on guitar because, you know, he's a great drummer. We all know that. But he could play all these cover tunes and he was just really good. So I was not surprised when I recently heard that he had done a solo album. And so I checked it out to see what it was like. And well, if you're expecting it to be super heavy or uh, really much like Anthrax at all, think again. He does a lot of cover tunes and it's really kind of just all over the place stylistically. He's got some special guests on here like uh, Snake Sabo and uh, Corey Taylor. And also a female vocalist on a few songs named uh, Carla Harvey. But the name of the CD is Silver Linings, and you will hear songs like this.
regardless of what you think of the songs on this CD, when you get through listening to it, you'll say that Charlie Benante is a great musician. And I'll have to admit that before I saw this documentary on Anthrax, I did not know that he had written a lot of those great Anthrax riffs. I also was unaware that he had gone to art school. But it makes sense now that uh, the last time I talked to Charlie, he came up to me and he said, uh, hey, I uh, really love your paintings. And that was back in the 90s when I was still with Galactic Cowboys and I was just starting my Crunchy project. And all I really wanted to talk about to people was uh, my music. But invariably, all they wanted to talk to me about was the art. Like this one time I went to see Dream Theater and I was going to go back and hang out with Portnoy and I go backstage and uh, there's John Petrucci and he comes up and he's like, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, good. And he's like, "Uh, you still painting? Don't! And another time I was hanging out with Kerry Livgren and he said, question, is the clown painting on the cover of Clown School Dropout a self-portrait? And I said, uh, yeah. A clown! And so after a while, I was just like, well, if that's what everybody likes, maybe that's what I should actually be concentrating on. And now here in 2021, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm doing my art full time. And naturally, everybody that I talk to these days says, hey, Monty, are you going to do another album? (laughs) And so, yeah, that's kind of the way it goes with me. As far as the music, I have no idea what the future holds. But as far as my art, I'm so busy right now, I don't have time to do anything else. Except maybe an occasional podcast. But I've got some really cool things that are happening with my paintings that I will tell you about later. But right now, I have a question concerning my art, and it's from Jason Hull. And I don't believe I've answered this before. I just had it jotted down in my notebook. And it just says, Jason Hull wants to know, how did you learn to paint? And uh, are there any books you could recommend? Inquiring minds want to know! Okay, Jason, well, thanks for the question. Uh, You know, I started really young. And to explain this, I should probably use my old man voice. Back in my day, we didn't have things like video games. I had a black and white television with an 8-inch screen, and you could only pick up three channels with rabbit ears. And if I told my parents I was bored, they'd say, tough, go outside and play in the dirt. That was pitiful. And so, yeah, that's kind of the way it was. And instead of buying things, I would just make things. For instance, I was a big sports fan when I was growing up. And we lived in Phoenix, and I was a big baseball fan, and we didn't have a team in Phoenix, so I ended up liking the Oakland A's. They had Reggie Jackson and Vita Blue, and they just had really cool uniforms. And the stores at the time didn't really have, like, uh, replica jerseys and hats and stuff like that that you can find anywhere now. And so I went and bought a green hat and some white and yellow felt. And I took the white felt and I cut out the A's logo and I glued it on. And my dad, who was an upholsterer, took the yellow felt and sewed it onto the bill. And there you go, I had an Oakland A's hat. And I did the same thing during basketball season. I'd take a white t-shirt and cut the sleeves off. And I'd take colored markers and I'd make it into a basketball jersey. 
Well, around that same time, I was a big Alan Page fan. He was a defensive lineman for the Minnesota Vikings. He's in the Hall of Fame now. And I wanted a poster of him, but didn't know where to find one. So I got a big, giant piece of paper, took some colored pencils, and I just drew one. And that's kind of how it started. I was 10 years old, and uh, I ended up going and buying a set of paints and some canvas, and I just started doing it. And when I got to high school, I took four years of art classes. And by my senior year, I was painting rock stars and stuff like that. And after high school, I took a year and I worked for my dad in the upholstery shop. And I kind of figured out this isn't really what I want to do for a living the rest of my life. So I ended up going to college and majoring in art. But pretty much the whole time I was there, my professors let me know that uh, I wasn't all that. And if I ever wanted to be really good at painting and drawing, that I was going to have to work my ass off. And so that's pretty much what I've done the last, oh, uh, 38 years. I just kept working and working at it and just kept trying to improve. And the weird thing is that I've actually seen the most improvement in my art over the last 10 years. And a lot of people tell me, uh, you've got a real gift. And yeah, I guess that's kind of true. But on the other hand, I've never been a natural at anything. Whether it was playing basketball or music or art or whatever it was, it was never easy and I just had to work my tail off. And so if I was going to give anybody advice, it would be uh, just do it and work really hard at it. There might be some good books out there, I don't know. I would suggest maybe either taking some lessons from another artist or there's a lot of instructional videos on YouTube these days. And the other thing I do, if you want to be an artist or you want to get better, is just go to some galleries or museums and look at the masters. I still do that. I'll go to a museum and I'll just get right up on the painting and look at what they did, the brush strokes and the colors. And uh, it, uh, you know, it's inspiring and uh, I learn a lot. So there you go. Uh, That's a long-winded answer to uh, your question, Jason Hull. Now let's go to something else. All right, got another question now from Dana in Austin, Texas. I've known Dana for years. He's a great guy. And he says, hey, Monty, have you heard the new Wolfgang Van Halen album, Mammoth? Your mileage may vary, but I've been listening to it this week, and I like it a lot. And I'm kind of impressed that he wrote, played, and sang everything himself. Well, yes, Dana, I do have that album, and uh, I'd have to say I was impressed, too. I was kind of surprised at how good the songs were, but I was not surprised that he was a good musician. I kind of expected that he could play because he was raised by a musical genius, a virtuoso. It's kind of like when you see Craig Biggio or Dante Bichette or Vlad Guerrero have kids now. And they're all in the majors hitting home runs. They're not only born with good genes, but they get the best training imaginable. And I can't imagine what it would be to grow up with Eddie Van Halen as your dad teaching you all that stuff. But Wolf was obviously paying attention. And I love the fact that uh, it's so obvious that he really loved his dad. But this CD definitely stands on its own. I don't think it's a Van Halen ripoff at all. He's doing his own thing, and I think that's very commendable. 
I guess the thing I was the most surprised at was how good Wolf sings. The guy's actually got a great voice. Great stuff there from Mammoth and Wolfgang Van Halen. The buzz will be enormous. All right, now for some odds and ends. I'm just going to talk randomly about whatever. So you know that place uh, Panera or Panera Bread or something like that? It's a restaurant. I like to call it Pantera. And I think I've only eaten there once in my life. Well, the other day I saw an advertisement and they are giving away free bagels to all you good boys and girls and men and women who have been obedient and gotten vaccinated. And I guess all you've got to do is go in and prove somehow that you've been vaccinated and they will give you a free bagel and a nice pat on the head. That is awesome! But listen, before anybody gets mad at me for having an opinion about vaccines, the stupid masks, or Dr. Fauci, Understand that I feel bad for anybody that got COVID. I had a few friends that got it and I know it was terrible. They told me so. But my stance on the vaccine thing has not changed. I have no plans to get it until I find out more about it. The fact that the media and the government is telling me that it's okay and it's safe uh, means nothing to me. In fact, all the more reason to be skeptical. They've been wrong about so many things over the last year. Uh, I'm going to wait. 
I mean, that is crazy cuckoo. Now, another commercial I saw the other day that I thought was really weird was for Cologuard. And if you don't know what Cologuard is, it's a test to see if you've got prostate cancer. And without having to be too graphic, uh, you basically send a stool sample to a lab and they tell you if you've got cancer or not. And so it's a good thing, but the other day I'm watching the commercial and they have an animated character called Cologuard, and he's basically just a box with arms and legs. And his face is on the front of the box and he's walking around telling people that they should do the test. And I thought it was funny because uh, basically he's walking around telling people to, uh, come on, take a dump in my head. I realize I'm a box and my body and my head are the same thing, but you should really consider opening the lid and just taking a crap right in there. And after you're done, you can take me to FedEx and drop me off. Oh, isn't that cute? Something else I've been watching that's on Netflix is Breaking Bad. I'm watching it for the second time. And I swear to God, I think it's actually better the second time. I think the first time I watched it was about seven years ago, maybe. And I thought it was maybe the best show I'd ever seen. But this time I'm noticing things that I didn't the first time. And it's undoubtedly in my top two. But I do have a question for anybody out there who has already seen it. Uh, am I the only one who just can't stand Skyler? I'm not sure if you're supposed to hate her, but I do. And I know it's wrong for me to like anybody that's making meth, but I do root for Walter. Does anyone else think that this is like really messed up? Something else my girlfriend and I did the other day was we went to Red Rocks. You know, the amphitheater in Colorado. I'll never forget that legendary U2 concert that was filmed there. It just seemed like there was something kind of magical about that concert back then. Uh, but then again, I did like U2 back then, and I no longer do. But it was still cool to see Red Rocks. I mean, that place, uh, like a lot of Colorado, is just amazingly beautiful. And we didn't actually go to see a show that day. Uh, we just went to check it out, and it is awesome. But I would love to go to a concert there someday. Unfortunately for me, uh, according to the schedule for Red Rocks, it doesn't look like anything besides jam bands are playing there for the next year. Also unfortunate for me is uh, what has happened to the price of concert tickets. I checked to see how much it would cost me to go see Black Label Society, and it was like 118 bucks for one ticket. So no, I'll pass on that. Guess I'll just have to do other things that I can afford, like uh, go to baseball games. The other day, Alex says, hey, uh, you want to go see the Rockies play the Cardinals today? I can get us tickets for nine bucks a piece. And I said, well, that sounds great. I'm always up for a baseball game. However, the forecast says rain all afternoon into this evening. And she says, yeah, but let's just do it. And so I was like, okay, let's go. So Denver's about an hour from us, and we jump in the car that afternoon about 3 o'clock. And it rained on us the entire way, and the traffic was terrible, and we didn't get there till 6 o'clock. And we got wet as we were walking into the stadium, and we find out there's a rain delay. So we went into one of those stores in the ballpark that sells hats and uniforms. And we stayed in there for a while, and we got a couple of things, and when we come out, the sun is shining. 
and we went up to our seats and it turned into one of the most beautiful nights ever. As in 65 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. And it goes to the ninth inning, it's tied, and one of the Rockies hits a three-run homer to win it. And Alex and I look at each other and go, wow, I'm glad we came to this game. Not bad for nine bucks. So I guess I'll keep going to baseball games rather than concerts until I sell a few more paintings. But hopefully I will be selling paintings because I've got something really cool to tell you about now. We can't wait. As I've told you before, I'm a big fan of the classic metal show and their podcast. And over the past year, I've become friends with one of the hosts of the classic metal show, Chris Aiken. And Chris has developed a whole network of podcasts and video shows, all devoted to hard rock and metal. And you can find all those shows at cmspn.com. You can hear the Classic Metal Show on there. You can catch Bob Nalbandian's Skull Sessions uh, podcast on there. That's great, too. And now you can also find a new version of HeavyMetalTelevision.com. It's videos and programming all about metal, and you should definitely check it out. And here's a good reason why. About a month ago, Chris said, Hey, would you want to do some videos for HeavyMetalTelevision.com? where it shows you painting portraits of rock stars and you'll be telling stories as you do it. And I said, yeah, I'd be very interested in that. And he said, well, cool, then maybe you can just have your own show. And so that's what I've done. It's going to be called Art That Rocks. I've already done one about Getty Lee and I talk about the first time I ever saw Rush. I did another one where I solved the debate over who was the better Van Halen frontman, Sammy Hagar or David Lee Roth. I did paintings of both of them. And I just finished one of Rob Halford where I talk about Judas Priest. And the first episode of Art That Rocks is going to debut on Friday, July 16th at 8 p.m. And according to Chris, that's 8 p.m. no matter where you are. So once again, July 16th on HeavyMetalTelevision.com. Just spell it all out. I will be reminding people on Facebook and probably Instagram, but I hope you'll make a note of that in your calendar and check it out. You'll see me doing paintings from beginning to end in about 5 to 10 minutes. And you'll hear stories kind of like I tell on the podcast here. But I think it's going to be great, and I really appreciate Chris Aiken and the Classic Metal Show guys and uh, that network for uh, giving me this opportunity. It's going to be very cool. But anyway, uh, I've been playing you weird cover tunes on the last couple of episodes. And today, I thought I'd end the show with probably my favorite cover tune of all time. This was off the live album Unleashed in the East by the before-mentioned Rob Halford and Judas Priest. It's a cover of a Fleetwood Mac song called The Green Manalishi, and it's guaranteed to crush your skull. So give it a listen, and then go to my website, monicalvinart.com, where you can either buy the painting of Rob Halford if it's still available, or you can just gaze at its awesomeness. Either way, I'll appreciate it, just like I appreciate the fact that you listened to this episode. But that's going to do it for me for now. I'll be back soon with more fun and mayhem, but until then, this has been Monty saying take care, don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me. And 
Rock on!